gracious. Good day, everyone. You are listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. I'm with Caitlin Green, Adam Karsh, as always. We are your faithful and dedicated and loyal servants. We are here to talk to you, to entertain you, to bring you insights about life on the planet Earth. Um, <laughs> We're your ear buddies. You guys have been my ear buddies. Listen, you know, everyone's kind of heard our voices over the last four or five months. The thing of it is, who is Caitlin Green? Who is Adam Karsh? I was inspired by an old Peter Zowski kind of a podcast thing that I listened to when I was driving. And he sort of spent some time getting to know or letting us get to know the people that he's been working with. So I was like taking notes as I was driving. I'm like, oh my God, I want to ask Adam and Caitlin like all these questions. So I want to start with some questions for the first half of the show. Okay. Caitlin Green. Hello. What <laughs> is one of your, and I'm going to ask you guys both the same questions. So Adam, you have a chance to think about your answer. What is your favorite meal, Caitlin? What is some, what is your desert Island meal or your very last meal? I mean, what is something that you just, that fills your soul? So I love food, all kinds of foods. So, so underlined so much, <laughs> but this is a very difficult question for me because I think I probably would answer something different, you know, depending on whenever you ask me, but I will always tend towards, I love butter chicken. I love, um, they have another, there's another Indian dish I really love called aloo gobi, which is like potatoes and cauliflower. Mm. Um, I love a curry. I really love a curry and I love it in a roti. Like, um, yes. I love, I like, I like, I like Jamaican and Caribbean roti a lot. Uh, I love Indian roti as well so much. So you wrap anything in flaw, soft, fluffy, kind of thin bread and if you've got a curry in the middle of that, I'm pretty happy. So I think that would be high on my list. I also love sushi. I love sushi. I love Japanese food. I love their kind of like izakaya style restaurants. I mean, fried prawns, you're never going to go wrong with. So yeah, I'm happy with all that. Now, what would be your drink of choice on a, it doesn't need to be a hot summer day, but what drink would go with that? A cold beer? What? Yeah. A cold, so if I was going to have, so if I was having a roti, I would probably do some kind of a rum cocktail. I'm guessing. Mm. I really like what's called a dark and stormy and it's sort of the, uh, the national drink of Bermuda, which is actually where my brother-in-law lives. So I've spent quite a bit of time there and it's ginger beer and really dark rum and a ton of lime and it's delicious. Okay. I'll take so your might, word for it. I might do that. I love a beer. I really just like a cold beer. Um, and I love, I love soda water. So I'd have soda water with anything. And in Britain, they would say, and your pud, what would be your pudding? And a pudding <laughs> in the UK, all, it, it, it's a descriptive word that just covers desserts in general. Like when, when the, the UK folk talk to me about what do you want for pudding? I'm like, I don't want a freaking pudding. No, no, like a dessert. What? So what, what would your dessert be? Oh, this is, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist for desserts. I love pie and ice cream together. Can't go wrong. Any kind of pie, frankly, right. pie and ice cream, or frankly, uh, another one, warm chocolate chip cookie with a glass of ice cold milk or, or milk related beverage, big old thing of oat milk. You got me. 
Adam, I'm going to ask you the same question. Adam Karsh, father of two, been married for 15 years, 14 years? 16. 16, 16. years. <gasps> this is our 16th anniversary. This hey, year. no so, way. So you're, you're a meal that brings you so much joy, what would it be, Adam? Double cheeseburger and fries. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, I can keep going, but that would be at the top of the list. Okay. I love Chinese food. Chinese yeah. food, I love. I love like beef and I broccoli do too. and Cantonese mm-hmm. chow mein, wonton soup. I love that. I, I like pizza. I like chicken wings. I mean, you name it, I'll eat it. But the double, the double cheeseburger fries. What what drink would you have with that? Honestly, just a Coke, like a Coke Zero. I I think it's not that I don't drink beer. I would drink a beer. But so you'd Coke want Zero. a full. You want a, a full fat Coke, right? Yeah. I probably could go full fat Coke. You know what I do sometimes? I like a uh, grape crush, like a full <gasps> fat. I'm grape with you. Crush. Yep. With you all the way. The grape and crush, root beer. Yeah. It, yeah. Do you uh, guys remember? Me. Well, first of all, I, I, just as a sidebar, when I was a kid, one of my fondest sort of memories that just takes over my heart and soul once in a while, and I just drove a little bit through BC to see my friend for a couple of days, is the old timey pop machines that were the glass bottles that you pulled up through the steel. Uh, I guess it would be a harness that would flip up. You'd put your coins in and the bottles were demolished. They were scratched, but you reused them. Um, they didn't even have prints on them, but I remember how cold they were, those glass bottles that you pulled up through the steel. Tasted better um, too. Yes. And so your dessert, Adam, you've you had your cheeseburger, you've had a full fat Coke. Now you're <laughs> going to have something sweet. Probably at the top of my list would be warm pecan pie with vanilla ice cream on top. Oh, yes. <laughs> like a butter tart, too. I love butter tarts. I Is also anybody like else's mouth watering right now? <laughs> I'm drooling, oh, I'm, and I just ate lunch. <laughs> and I'm having my healthy smoothie in the background <laughs> as I'm telling you all the heart-clogging things I'd like to eat. I also love brownies. Like, I'm not a candy guy. I don't do jujubes and gummy bears and sour keys. Like, it's not that I wouldn't eat it. It just does nothing for me. I love rich fudgy brownies i like the combination of chocolate and peanut butter i like seven layer chocolate cake i love all that stuff yeah the richer the better it food is is such an extraordinary part of human life making it for people would you consider yourself a cook caitlin like is cooking something you like to do yeah i really really like it i just love food so much i love learning a new dish i love discovering like a whole new you know cultures cuisine for the first time and testing out the recipes if i find like a new spice i'm excited so yeah i like to cook and my husband's a really good cook too and it's fun to cook kind of for each other and for your friends okay new topic caitlin (laughs) can you think back to your first experience with having a crush on somebody and if that was a scary thing, an enjoyable thing, a confusing thing, how old were you? Don't have to name names, maybe what grade you were in and what the circumstances I, were of who I that can was. get real specific. Okay, um, go. I had a huge crush in grade one. I was in Mrs. Carr's class and I had a huge crush on Adam. Shout Hobbin. out to Mrs. Carr. She was, she was an angel. And uh, the kid I had a crush on was Adam Hobbins Lockett. Okay. <laughs> one more time, just so he knows we're talking <laughs> about him. Adam's Hobbins Lockett. Adam Hobbins, plural, Lockett, singular. Also just the world's most adorable last name. Like it sounds like it's like Teddy Ruxpin or something. 
No, I swear um, to God, was he in Lord of the Rings? I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> he was just like a sweetheart, even back in, you know, like grade one. He was just the nicest guy. And he was friends with a little nearby neighbor of mine um, whose name was Shanae. And the two of them would hang out and I would walk over and play with them. And he was just so sweet and kind. He just had a nice vibe about him. And he had like, I, I think like a kind of sick at the time, very cool, like mushroom cut. And he came to my birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese and he wore like a little tie and suspenders. And I just my was like, gosh, oh. Caitlin, I was just like, I really like this guy. Like right away. I was like, okay. <laughs> so was it an, can you recollect if it was like a, a foreign feeling that, you know, came from the tips of your toes and rose up through your torso? Like, was it like, I feel a physical thing for this boy? Kind of. It was mostly just like, I would, I want to spend time around you. And I, I always, yeah. you feel like you always want to be nice to them. And you're just like excited. Like I would just be excited if we were together on like a project or if it was like, ooh, sit next to each other at reading circle or like, you know, the parachute thing where you'd flick the parachute up over you in gym yep. class. Yeah. And everyone would, if I was like, oh, knee touching Adam Hobbins locket under the parachute, that was, that was as good as it got in grade one. Did you ever, did, did you go to school with him for the next few years? Did you ever get to, to kiss him on the smackers? No, he moved away. Um, he moved away. Shanae and his family moved back to Japan. And I was just like, that's it. This stinks. And I, I don't think I really liked anyone after that for a while. We're going we're gonna to cast a net out there. Adam's Hobbit Locket. No, what's his <laughs> name? <laughs> Adam Hobbins Adam, Locket. Yeah. Adam Hobbins Locket. If you are yeah. out there, Caitlin Green is very happily married. She sends you her best salutations and love. Adam, I'm going to ask you the same question. First crush. Well, I can do this. As much or as little detail as you would like to offer. Grade five. She was in grade five too. Her name's Stacy. We were in a, The Wizard of Oz, a play. I was the wizard, believe it or not. <laughs> and she, <laughs> she was the Tin Man. And oh, super cute. <laughs> Stacy was super cute. I really liked her. <laughs> She did not return the, the, the love, but we are friends. We're still friends. I think we're friends on Facebook today. It's all good. Unrequited, unrequited love is always so, it's precarious, but it has been the source of so much literature, so much music, so much art for thousands of years is the unreachable love. Um, how much time do we have left, Adam? Because we we have one minute. One oh. minute. So the quick fire round. Okay. A we yes can go or no answer. <laughs> yes or no answer from both of you. If you saw your, let's say your best friend, your na your neighbors that you've known for years, you see him in a grocery store, arms around another woman, kissing the nape of her neck. Do you tell your neighbor, or is it something that you bury away? I ask these types of questions at dinner parties with my friends. Do you just like, not my problem, not saying anything to her, or do you say something, Adam? I don't think I would. I think I would, I, I wouldn't want to get okay. involved. All right. A uh, neighbor? Well, if it was a neighbor, they would get an email from anonymous friend at hotmail.com. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't own it, but I'd put it out there and be like, okay, I'm not responsible for, I can't like, yeah, I don't want to see them in the hall after that. I just feel like being a tattletale is such a difficult thing, but 
I, I feel like I would say something. Anyway, we're having a fun show today. We're, it, this is Get to Know Adam Karsh, Get to Know <laughs> Caitlin Green. And, and uh, it's one of those conversations that you just want to jump in and go, oh my God, my first time was... Anyway, you're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you, getting to like you, getting to hope you like me. Welcome back to the Jan Arden Podcast. It's Get to Know Your Coworker Day with Caitlin Green, Adam Karsh. Um, we've been doing so much of this remotely, which is what got me thinking about all of this. And what also got me thinking about getting to know people is that whenever we go in between these breaks, everybody, Caitlin and Adam and I inevitably end up having these quick fire chats about things that don't end up in the podcast. And we often say to each other, oh my gosh, this is the damn podcast. <laughs> Save it. Don't talk about it now. Let's talk about it at the podcast. And don't you guys find there's something very unusual that happens when you hit that record button and we start recording. As much as we're very candid, there really is a different tone and a different thing that happens when the record button comes off. Mm -hmm. So having said that, I wanted to ask you guys about shame and about embarrassment. And it's kind of a weird thing to go back to, but it's, it's shame and embarrassment are things that linger with us for our whole lives. We can recall things and be right back standing in that pool of ugh. So is there something that you're willing to share an experience that was just like, oh my God, that's so embarrassing. Um, from childhood or from adulthood or from overhearing somebody say something about you from Caitlin, anything, does anything come to mind? I had a bathroom, like with the bathroom stall, like the cliche bathroom stall movie thing where it was like me and like two friends talking about one girl who we didn't like. And like, she was in the bathroom stall <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> And I you've and like you feel terrible afterwards and forever. So I just want to tell everybody like you really need to check the stalls. It's not a joke. It happens how, in real how life. old were you, Caitlin? I think we were in like grade seven or something. You're at school. So probably, 12, 13? I think like twelve. And okay. this is at the this is at, at the point in life where, you know, talking about people behind their back at this age is like a hobby, right? And you don't really like think about it. This again, this is all like pre- bullying awareness and all this stuff like I just think kids are nicer I hope kids are nicer now um but yeah so I felt terrible about that I think I'm trying to remember when I felt really oh man like I, I know that I felt really embarrassed about not knowing the correct answer to something like not knowing I've had a really difficult time telling time in school like I have issues with numbers so like looking at a clock and being able to tell time was not easy for me getting started and our teachers had this sweat inducing game where they would just randomly turn to someone and be like, Paul, tell us the time right now in front of the whole class. I think I must have like that. I remember really not enjoying. I'm trying to remember other times. Like there have been some, I hate That's not knowing lot. something. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, it was stressful as a kid. It, it is so stressful. And it's funny how you can relive those things. I don't think animals do it. They say human beings are the only species on the planet that can recollect something that happened. They can punish themselves over and over in real time for something that's 30, 40 years old. 
animals no. don't do it. You know, they, they screw up, they F up and sorry. <laughs> and I think we caught that and <laughs> they, they move on, but we punish ourselves over and over. Adam, any shameful, I mean, I, I don't expect you to dig into the, the nude files of Adam Karsh, but. <laughs> no, no, I actually don't have any crazy shameful stories, but I guess when you're saying you're tying embarrassment into, the, into that as well, like I just remember I was picked on a lot as a kid and I was overweight. So, you know, to be made fun of in front of people. I'm going to beat like, the crap out of those people, yeah, Adam. It's all I want now. names and addresses, but you <laughs> know what? Them. Those, those people are probably all miserable, Adam. They're Probably miserable not. and they're in miserable lives and their kids are horrible and they hate their job. Let's just imagine it that way. But it, yeah. it does bring embarrassment, doesn't it? When you think about not being able to defend yourself. You um, feel bad. It's in front of other people and then yeah. everyone laughs at you. And it's just like, I wasn't brutally bullied, but just I was made fun of and picked on. And, and yeah. yeah. Well, you turned out to be one of the nicest, most professional, kind-hearted, filled with joy. One thing I'll say about being around both of you guys is your attitudes. Like even through this entire process, which has been hair-raising, anxiety-filling, it's just been a really crap time. You guys have been so consistent and positive. I think our conversations have been meaningful. And I never have heard you guys say, woe is me, whether it's for work. So you guys turned out to be friggin' awesome. Well, you're pretty optimistic yourself. You always say how you're like, I am very optimistic, but you are. I think it's, you know, and everyone, you can tell when, when you get together with people and you, they're positive and they kind of see, they see the, the glass half full most of the time and not in the cliche, like fake way, like they really mean it. I think it's nice because you wind up sort of in a way like you follow their lead on that. Like it feels good to not be bummed out all the time. It really does. Um, just in the last few minutes, I, I know we're going back to food. Maybe that's my, <laughs> my theme okay. of the day. But I want to know really quickly what a favorite meal was that your, your mom cooked for you or your grandmother as a child. Um, Adam, like can you recall? Is, is there, for me, it was my grandma's um, molasses ginger uh, uh, ginger cookies Whoa. they were soft and mm -hmm. chewy mm -hmm. and her cream puffs like I just my mind got blown off I remember till I was in my 20s by her mm -hmm. her ginger snap cookies and her cream puffs so is there something that your grandma or your mom made for you that is just like transcendental my mom's a really good cook she makes these like uh crusted veal chops that are just phenomenal they're to die for and what else she makes a really good coleslaw she does that Ooh. really well. Yeah. Um, what did I grow up as a kid? Shepherd's pie she made. I nice. love her shepherd's pie. She made this tortellini. Yeah. I could never create it. I don't know what sauce she used. It was this, like uh, veal stuffed or tortellini stuffed with veal in an I don't know what sauce that was just delicious. <laughs> We're not Italian, by the way, but it was amazing. The beginning of your culinary journey. Caitlin, <laughs> yes. any faves from your grandma, your mom? Mom would be pineapple glazed ham, like a big roast with scalloped oh. potatoes. Huge potatoes. Yeah, potatoes were the best. And then uh, also, she would do a prime rib roast with mushroom gravy, Yorkshire pudding, mashed potatoes. She could nail a cream spinach, like a oh, good yeah. way to get your kids to eat spinach. And my grandmother was this expert baker. She was like a little scientist 
in the kitchen. And at her house, Granny Green's house in PEI, you'd wake up every morning. There'd be probably two different kinds of bread. She'd make <sighs> biscuits and you'd have them with molasses and butter. And she also did the ginger snap cookies, which I adored. I'm going to send you guys my Graham's recipe when we get off the podcast today. Yes. I'm going to send it to you. And I want our little thing is to make them this week. I want you guys to, all this stuff is easy Done. to get. And let's make them because I really want you to try one of my Graham's cookies. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. We'll be right back. Oh, gosh. This has been good. My mouth has been watering like since we started this. I'm getting to know Caitlin Green and Adam Karsh, who have been with me for this entire journey. And hopefully when we are still doing this podcast 30 years from now, <laughs> from the grave, it'll be called... Jan Arden podcast from the grave. And we'll have like a creaky door sound effect and some spooky Oh, noises. yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I guess we, we, I mean, we have been talking about food and favorite meals. Um, my grandma, my mom's mom was one of 17 kids. Oh, so wow. I think she grew up, she was raised by one of her older sisters because her mom died when she was just a little girl. But anyway, my, they all learned to cook so well back then. I mean, this would have been, you know, the 20s and the 30s, which seems so weird to even say that. Um, but they, my, my grandma could make things taste so great. I have an orange. It's kind of like a Le Creuset. Is it Le Creuset pot? Yeah, Le Creuset. Yeah. Le Creuset. Well, I don't think it's called that, but it is an orange iron pot that I got from my grandmother. I don't have a lot of her things, but I have this pot. I bet you I ate, you know, 400,000 meals out of that pot. But she could do, she did those one pot things of a, back when I ate meat, like of a little roast, pearl onions and potatoes. But the gravy was just, I, I can't even express it. I, I don't, it was like pepper and it had a bit of balsamic vinegar in it and it had a bit of sugar in it I, I don't even know what it was she's gone long since gone now my grand but meals like that even in my darkest hours it's funny I that's the kinds of stuff I think back to is those memories that are so comforting and they usually always involve a meal yeah that's yes. why I, I sort of there's a like I have some friends who watch what they eat to a degree where they I don't really think enjoy food that much because um, they're so, so careful. And I certainly understand if you have dietary restrictions, allergies, all that. But then I do think that sometimes it's like they're so obsessed with not consuming too much food that I think it's kind of like robbed them of some of the joy of, of, of oh, eating absolutely. and those childhood meals. And it yeah. is a, it's, it's a joy. Like it really is. And you, you don't have to go, you know, overindulge and make yourself sick or anything, but um, there is a way to moderate your food and still really enjoy it. That I think like the whole obsession with diets and everything has, has taken some of that away from people. And it's so simple and so fun. I really look forward to the holidays because, and uh, we were talking before mentioning my mom's food. I got to give my mom's uh, brisket a shout out because her brisket Ooh. is phenomenal. So we always have that for the, for at holiday times. And just what you were saying, like I look forward to the holidays because I truly don't restrict or limit myself in any way. It is a free for all of everything. <laughs> I eat it all dessert. I want to leave the meal being very upset with myself. <laughs> well, I just remember 
any kind of holiday meal around our house when my parents were here. And, you know, we had a house full of kids and um, we all just were sleeping after a meal. And yeah. my mother standing with her pineapple apron tied around her waist, you know, thank God they always sort of make houses with a kitchen sink window to look out. Yeah. I have yet to see a house where the, uh, the woman who's usually doing the dishes is staring into a brick wall. Like they've at least always given women a yeah. window to look out of when they're yeah. doing the dishes. <laughs> um, but I just, I have a memory of mom standing there and she wouldn't, no, you guys sit down. I'll do it. My mom was not a good cook. Um, it, and I've talked about her crock pot meals before. And um, Okay, here's my next question for you. Uh, we all had to go to school. And for the most part, I'm assuming you guys had to take lunches once in a while. Yeah. Caitlin, what was in your lunchbox on, on an average day? I can remember my most common lunch, and it was every day. And my dad made lunches, actually. And I went to school with like a little cooler and it had an ice pack in it to keep everything cool inside. And it was, a, <laughs> it was a sandwich Clever. And, and the sandwich was, um, usually black forest ham and Havarti cheese. Ooh, oh yeah. Fancy. With, it, yeah. My dad took great care in this, in this lunch. So it was Havarti cheese, black forest ham, mayo, mustard, some lettuce. And it was always on like a dusty Italian roll. Like kind <gasps> of like a, like a what? softer. What is going on here? Oh, oh, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop there. Always a chocolate milk. Sometimes a milk, if, but mostly a chocolate oh, milk. Oh, Caitlin. And then cut up honeydew melon and blueberries and some kind of a really great dessert, like a passion flakey or a Joe Louis. Oh, I, Joe Louis. Oh. Yeah. What in, half, yeah. What in the actual H-E double <laughs> hockey sticks? Again, only child. And this was kind of my dad's area. My mom did like weekend breakfast and dinners but he really took pride in a lunch and he packed his own lunches to go to work. And it's so, like, this was his thing. He, he, he knew how to do it. A dusty flowered bun. Yeah. There was a great black little bake- forest ham and Havarti cheese. <laughs> there was a great bakery deli combo place in the beach where I grew up called the hasty market. And they had the best bread and you'd go there and get the fresh bread and the buns, the deli meat, the cheese and everything. One stop shop. Adam, like, I, I don't know if you can that. top I, I, it. Nope. It's ridiculous. I don't, I don't think we can have her on the <laughs> podcast anymore. <laughs> uh, I remember as a kid, it was a lot of like bologna sandwiches. So good though. I, I'm with you. Bologna. I love bologna. <laughs> I mean, oh. beaks and butts. That's what they called it in my I house. I don't care what's in it. Bologna is, it's like, I heard it described as like hot dog pancakes or something. Cause it's just, yeah, it's a giant right? hot dog. It's basic, right. And then yeah. another favorite sandwich. And I could literally eat this every day for lunch. I love a tuna sandwich. I is this is it. this what was in your lunch kit? Yeah, I would have. So, a, did yeah. the tuna not absorb the frickin' bread into it by the time you got there? Like, <laughs> yeah, you'd have to have you'd have to have a very thick butter barrier, is what we called it, to <laughs> yeah, keep the mayo from getting liquidy and soaking into the bread. Yeah. So now you what had I do. tuna or bologna. No, no, not now, but back in the day. Then what else was in your lunch kit? Probably like. Carrot sticks or cel- uh, celery or cucumber and a juice box. Always wow. a juice box. Did the other kids look at you, Caitlin, with disdain? 
kind like kind of but it was i mean like at the time like kids didn't really care that much about like the, the sandwich they weren't that into the sandwich like you know cut up fruit sure whatever but it was the it was the chocolate pastry milk. The, it was the oh. pastry at the end and the chocolate milk because a lot of kids you know they'd get like maybe around halloween they'd get like the halloween size treat and other than mm-hmm. that it was like a an old dried granola bar so to get like a passion flake <sighs> daily at school i mean i had it pretty good do you remember speaking of granola bars? I think they only sold them in the States. So when we would go to Buffalo, we'd bring back boxes of them. They were called Kudos. Do you remember Kudos? No, no. They were they were like granola bars, uh, but on steroids. A Kudo? Kudo. Like no. Kudos to you. Kudo. I do not know that. <laughs> they were the best granola bars. I, they might still even make them. I don't know. But they were like granola bars, but dipped in chocolate. They were like one notch oh. below chocolate bars but i'm like oh it's healthy it's a granola bar and i ate a lot of them as a kid i like dunkaroos i would trade a passion flaky for dunkaroos sometimes those were pretty good i'm not familiar with dunkaroo they're like little um they're you know they're like cookies and they were always a kangaroo and you would dip them in frosting so it'd be like a betty crocker style frosting in one end and then a little container of these cookies and you dip it in and uh it was great it was like little graham crackers with icing i love those things well, I mean, I know I'm a slightly tad older than you guys, and um, going to Springbank Community High School, but before that in junior high, Springbank Junior High, such clever names for these schools. <laughs> um, I mean, my lunches were just much like Adam, bologna or like tomato slices in white bread never, ever traveled well. <laughs> oh, dad, no. we had dad's cookies almost every day of my life. <gasps> I love dad's cookies. The, yes. Well, they took the skin off the roof of my mouth. Oh, I love so dad's cookies. So if you ate a bunch of dad's cookies, it would take the skin off the roof of your mouth. But seriously, I know we've talked about wagon wheels on this show, but I can't eat them to this day. And further to that, they were generic wagon wheels. Oh, no. <laughs> and so they weren't even like – and that was devastating to me as a kid because we didn't have a lot of money. And – mom bought a lot of generic stuff. And when we were talking about shame earlier in the show, I was a little bit embarrassed about having no name brand stuff. I know that sounds so stupid. I get it. I get it. But when you're a kid, your world is so small and food is such a big part of it. And, and the weird little things that matter as kids, like they seem silly when you look back as an adult, but that was your, like, that was your whole world. Like opening up that lunchbox Opening up my Barbie lunchbox was a big deal. We're going to talk more about that when we come back for the final installment of today's Jan Arden, Caitlin, and Adam podcast. Welcome back. You've been listening to the Jan Arden podcast. Get to know Adam Karsh and Caitlin Green Day. Uh, Not Green Day, the band, but Caitlin (laughs) Green. Yes. Um, when you were children, we're still going back in time. We've talked about favorite foods. We've talked about things that your grandmother made for you. Um, grandfathers, any specific things to them that you can remember? I used to sit with my legs around my grandpa's chair, his armchair, with this steel comb that he had from the Second World War, this army that must have been in his army kit, and he would let me comb his hair forever. He wasn't a real kid's kids. He was my step granddad, but he was the only granddad I ever knew, but he would let me comb his hair. It seemed like for days, but I would sit there with my little legs hanging over his shoulders, sitting on the back of his chair, like a big armchair. 
combing his hair. So, and that's a really great memory for me. I was thinking about it a couple of weeks ago and I just thought, oh my God, he was, didn't really like kids, but he put up with it. <laughs> Anything from grandpa's side of the fence, Adam? Oh, so uh, this was my mom's dad um, and my, my grandparents, except for my, my grandmother on my mom's side, they all died fairly young, but I absolutely have memories. My grand, I have a really fond memory of my grandfather um, when I went to go visit them at their house, we would walk to the variety store and he would buy me a Kit Kat. Oh, God. It's awesome, right? That I walk. I like 40 years ago. I remember it like it was yeah. yesterday. Caitlin? Um, so my grandfather on my mom's side, he was kind of the strong, silent type. You know, 10 kids, built his house with his bare hands. Um, you know, he also was like a traveling salesman. He was in the army. He fought in world war two, like just, you know, like that kind of guy loved mm -hmm. hockey night in Canada, loved boxing and loved the three tenors, like loved Pavarotti. <laughs> um, so he was a and cool Placid, guy. Placido Domingo and exactly. Oh, okay. Um, I remember that. He was cool. He had a strong silent type vibe, but he, he was always like a warm kind of like presence, but you know, he'd seen some things in his life and like, you got the sense that he was like, can I just watch hockey night in Canada? <laughs> so, so that's kind of, that was, I remember him, he had his chair in the living room and that's kind of like, that's what he did. Yeah. And, um, and my dad on, or my grandfather on my dad's side, I knew a bit better. He was actually, he worked in government. He was a deputy minister in Prince Edward Island for social services. And he really uh, spent a lot of his life kind of trying to like, I guess, like improve the lives of, of other people, people who had disabilities, single moms, um, kids with learning disabilities, that kind of thing. He was a real social causes guy. He loved, uh, he loved when we would come to visit to the island and he would always take us to go to Wendy's. That was like the first stop or Smitty's. You'd go right from the airport there. Smitty's. Smitty's. And he would always take me to the quick. Smitty's, you can sponsor us. Smitty's, please sponsor us. Come and, on, uh, Smitty's. We'd go to the quick pick and, you know, go to the beach. And he loved Scrabble. He, he lived under a stack of books and newspapers. And oh. every time he'd go visit them, they would have uh, a caricature artist on the island draw up like me as my current year so it's like if I was into like roller skating Aww. or whatever it was so cute and he he had racehorses so he loved racehorses and so we'd always go to the track and watch his horses and if they won you could go into like the winner's circle and take photos and stuff with the big horses and it wasn't like a fancy thing at all it was like small town Prince Edward Island but it was just cool like he was just a very smart it will stick with you your whole life oh yeah walking to get your Kit Kat Adam or, or, you know, the racetrack, there, there's something that, you know, we don't think about a lot. And that is um, any kind of smell, scent. I've been thinking a lot about, we used to drive to Lethbridge once in a while, like, well, more than once in a while, probably a couple of times a year. That was where my dad was from. His, his father died in 1962. And his mother continued to live on her own pretty much up till her, her death. But we would drive up to see her. And it was the house that my dad grew up in. Not a lot had been done to it. But I can remember the smell of that house. Let me get that. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? Yes. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention. What it's it's Caitlin's. Fire this is real. This, this is, is real life, folks. Do they know we're recording a podcast right now? I, this is very rude of Toronto Fire Services. 
It's only a test, well, everyone. Thank God it's, it's only a test. test. <laughs> that okay, was that's the cre- this is the creepy big brother thing about living in a condo building is you have these speakers in your unit for this purpose and it can just come on without any warning. Anyways, well, you, you don't want you don't want anyone you know coming into your bedroom at two o'clock in the morning saying you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's hope that doesn't come on again. That was Caitlin's house. It was, at least you have a fire department that cares, a building that cares. But the smell in my grandma's house was like nothing I've ever smelled since. It's, it had its own thing. I've never forgotten. And I, and I only thought about it a little while ago. And even thinking about it, you guys just brought back this memory. I didn't get along that well with that grandmother, although she really she really liked me. I remember her saying to me one day, you know, you're one of my favorites. And she had a lot of grandchildren, but she had jars of water on all the radiators, which would have been probably the humidifier of the sixties. So all these jars were sitting there and they kind of gave me the creeps. So when you're seven or eight years old, there were all these things that just, they weren't like they were at home. My grandmother's fridge, for instance, was probably a fridge, an old Frigidaire from the 50s. And it was a big handle that you pulled down and the latch would open. It was like a commercial. And it was just this little white, it looked like porcelain. And it was off in the corner and it just buzzed. It made a sound that you could hear from other rooms in the house was this refrigerator going. And inside that refrigerator, there was nothing packaged. It was everything that was made by a homemaker. Like it was jars of, I mean, it was the first time in my life I saw a pickled egg. I saw, you know, preserves and ferments and milk that was from a cow that had three inches of cream on top of it sitting in the, in the container. And it just kind of gave me <laughs> willies as a kid. So it's so funny how different the grandmothers were, but just, I don't know why I've been so like just ruminating on these old memories. I don't know if you guys do that. I think you do it more now. You know, I don't know, Adam, if you agree, but like I've been doing it more now, I think maybe because maybe because of the pandemic. So you're just sitting alone with your thoughts. I'm very nostalgic and I reminisce and I hold on to things and all those memories are really important to me. And I like talking about them with my family. I like sharing the stories. Like Dan, when you were describing your, your grandmother's fridge, like that was exactly my grandmother's fridge. And (laughs) And they didn't have a lot of money. So like, I remember walking into their house and it was well, they like, didn't, walking they didn't buy processed foods, Adam. No, yeah. it was real stuff. And, but their house, like even when I was a kid, even when I was a teenager in my early twenties going into, cause my grandmother lived till I was 26 and my grandfather passed away when I was like seven or eight, but like her house was a time warp. Everything was from like the forties. It was, maybe she got a new fridge, but like, when I was a kid, oh, that fridge was, I think it was turquoise or teal and had the big honk and whatever handle to open it, frost all over the place. It was amazing. Her house was stuck in the 40s and it, yeah. I, can, I can still smell it. I can still remember it. I know the color of the walls and color of the carpets. I remember like going into my grandmother's house, my grandparents' house on my mom's side, they, they were in Port Dover and there were two weeping willows at the entryway of oh. the drive-in. And the weeping willows would like tickle the car kind of thing, almost like a car wash. Yeah. And 
I just loved it when you were pulling up, like, you know, going down the highway, it was like rural route eight or something. And you'd see those willow trees. I loved it. It was such a cool thing that you just remember all the time as a little kid. And they grew up in like the green belt. So there was always fresh produce. I mean, always strawberries, always Ontario peaches and plums. Like it was, it was awesome. How do we create that solitude for ourselves as we go forward? And I think it also, you know, it it makes us think about what we are creating for younger people, what you're creating for your kids, Adam, and and even who you're mentoring, Caitlin, like young kids in your life, whether it's, you know, your your friends, kids, or... um, Nieces and nephews, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. how, you know, I think what come, what, what has come into my mind is that, you know, the way we carry ourselves, the way we talk to these kids, the, the glass of milk that we give them on the counter, the snacks we make for them, the things that are in our fridges, the smell of our cars, you know, walking someone to a convenience store, taking five minutes out of our day to go get a, a kid, a Kit Kat bar. I think what, I guess the lesson here, or if there's a moral to any of this, is that these memories, these indelible memories, stick to kids. We don't think they're going to remember. And things my mom said to me as a teenager, have uh, those words are what carry me on my hardest, toughest days, is my mom's simple things. Well, of course you can do it. Well, don't worry about that. There's nothing wrong with your arms. You know, you it things will get better. It won't like so. We we have to keep that in mind. I think of what are these young people are hearing and seeing us do, right? Yeah, I mean, I think too. Like, I love there was a famous quote from Maya Angelou. You know, to the effect of um, that people aren't going to necessarily remember everything you do or your accomplishments, but they'll remember how you make them feel. Yes, I love that, Caitlin. It's so true. And you really remember how people, especially as a kid, you remember how certain adults made you feel just their presence, sort of what they were about. And it's the little details about buying you the Kit Kat or, or giving you some kind words or having the pickled eggs in their fridge, all that stuff really sticks with you. And so when you're spending time with young people, it's easy to forget about all those things. But when you, when you look back into your own library of reference, it's like, yeah, that all those little things really mattered when you were young. Well, this has been a blast for me. I want to thank Adam and Caitlin for humoring me. Um, I just wanted to get to know you guys a little bit better, and we're going to continue to do that. One thing I'd like you to watch for this week, just quickly as we wrap up, please go on to the Jan Arden podcast Twitter handle. Easy to find. Fire us off a question or a quandary that you might want us to tackle next week. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Anything that you are worried about or concerned about or that there's a scruple issue that you want us to solve, we're going to start doing that on a weekly basis. We're going to start taking a question or a quandary of the week. We haven't decided what to call it yet. But once again, thanks for coming along on the Jan Arden Podcast. Adam Karsh, Caitlin Green. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.